Welcome on in to the Not Dead Yet podcast, powered by Mechanical Hub Media. I'm your host, John Masonbrink. I'm here with my co-host, Tim Ward. Tim, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing great, JP. How are you doing? Awesome. We are really excited. You know, on this podcast, we try to keep it real, authentic, and there's no one, I think, in the industry more real deal. Uh, he's just a true, authentic American gentleman. Johnny White joins us on the podcast today. Johnny, how are you doing today? I could not be any better unless I might be one of you two guys. <laughs> it's a wonderful day in my neighborhood, I'm telling you. Awesome. How, how have you been through these challenging times in the last six months through this pandemic? You know, great. It's been a fascinating time. I've seen people uh, look at it as a complete downer, and I've seen people look at it as a complete upper, and I just look at it as another day, you know, because it's I'm learning so much. We're all learning so much. You know, we uh, at Takeo, we took a bit of a hit in March and April just because we had to reduce our capacity just to realign our factory to be able to accommodate all the people. But, you know, we got back up and running. Cheryl Merchant has got had us back up and running with her team within a uh, very short order. And, and you know, we have just plain tried to make the best of this and figure out what we can do to uh, perpetuate what we do well while living in, in very unusual circumstances. You know, I view things in, in any situation as, as, as a chance to learn. And I never, I never had a better opportunity to improve in my life than when I've had a, a sort of a, a crisis like this. So, the whole company, uh, health-wise, uh, has been very, very solid, and uh, we've had some we've had some cases, but not you know within the work workplace at a time that affected us in any way. So we're blessed that way. We were, were very John. We were and Tim. We were very, very, very uh, aggressive with this thing starting in about February. People were like, Johnny, what are you doing? You know, you're crazy. I mean, you're, this is a flu. You know, you, you're overreacting. And I just said, I okay, do what you want. I, I took a, took a very with Cheryl. We took a very aggressive stance with this, and went after the safety and protection of our people. And I'll stand behind that decision any day. Uh, for those of uh, you listening out there that uh, aren't familiar with John Hazen White Jr., Johnny White, he is the executive chairman of Takeo Comfort Solution in Cranston, Rhode Island. And uh, Johnny, why don't you just give us a kind of a brief bio, how you got started in the industry? I know, uh, you know, you worked for your dad, your dad owned the company. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. Yeah, I started um, working here when I was, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, 13 or something like that, and, uh, just doing things in the summertime and whatnot. And I, I uh, actually, you know, through high school and college, uh, uh, every moment I had uh, free, I was I was here, and because uh, I loved this place, and you know what, I, I I loved the people in the company, and and as a result of that, you know, I I, I probably could have been a teacher or a minister or a number of things, you know, but I chose this career path for whatever that meant, by the way, because this was not an entitlement to me. I tell you what, working for that guy, no way was that an entitlement. I left after college. I moved away. Actually, I went to California for a while, a couple of years, and then the Carolinas for a few years and worked uh, worked out of the outside the company for a while, And um, but in the industry. And uh, mm-hmm. I worked in the rep business, actually. Had, had some tremendous learning experiences, which has which came, which came back here with me. Uh, in terms of of the relationships between manufacturers and reps, because it's not always so settled. It's, it's a complicated place, but I I, I learned that I, and I understood that business from from the from the ground up. So this was very valuable. But you know, time went on, and I became the OEM. Uh, uh, I created the OEM division of Takeo actually back in the eighties, and built that up to a certain p- position, and, and, and turned it over to Bill Harold, if you remember Billy. And then uh, moved on to uh, operations for a while. I was a general foreman, which was something I didn't really want to do. 
but turned out to be the greatest blessing uh, of my life, I think, in terms of my career, because I really learned to deal with the people here and, and to love the people here and, 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 mm-hmm. to, and, to, and to see the value of what, what they really represent. That's, that's it. And, and time went on. And, uh, you know, my dad died. Everybody, you know, then I, you know, I've had some political, not political activities, but I've, I've had my own watchdog operations in Rhode Island over the years and TV shows. And I've been a regular uh, newspaper editorial contributor over the years and the one thing people always say i laugh at this i was telling kenny watson this just before they would write in responses to anything i always do is well you know he he uh he ought to fund that thing himself or whatever you know because he's got all the money in the world and he got his money the old-fashioned way he inherited it you know (laughs) i'll tell you what that was not the case so the point is we went through this thing i bought the company after my dad died and we've moved on ever since and it's just been you know, to me, it's never been about the money. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. Just plain and simple as that, John. You know, it's, yeah. I, I have built this company. I, look, I never went to business school. So I don't mm-hmm. consider myself any way, shape, or form. I was an English major. I don't consider myself a, a business major. So was I. <laughs> Were you really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to talk about that sometime because I yeah. have, I just love literature. And yeah, we should chat about that. But yeah, but but that provided, I guess, a sense of, of whatever you call the left brain, right brain, you know, the... Uh, Ability to think things through differently than maybe by by finances and spreadsheets. Hey, uh, a fun fact. I don't know if it's a fun fact or not, but Taco, the actual name, means something. What does it What does it mean, there, John? It means uh, well. Maybe I should ask you <laughs> because are you, are you challenging me or should I? Um, see you know, no, I, I know. I'm not kidding. I think I might know, but I don't want to be wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what a Thur- thermal kidding. appliance company. Yeah, it does. It means thermal appliance company, uh, a little little uh, broken down company that my grandfather somehow put together back in the in 1920. And in fact, I stumbled on the, the original fa- uh, papers the other day. Believe it or not, I can't believe it. Somebody found them in a file cabinet was about to get thrown out, but they were the original signed documents on the thing. And yeah, it started off making uh, little uh, fire pot generators, little little uh, what we would now call uh, indirect water heaters, like the Ampro Boilermate and the you know, HTP thing and, and those sorts of things. And, and uh, he went on to really, the reason he went into this business is he was the sales manager at, at a company called National Boiler. And he wanted to have more than boilers. He wanted the, the surrounding products and they wouldn't go for that. So he left and went into that business actually. And, and so ultimately we went on to develop, you know, the tempering valve and the air elimination equipment, and ultimately circulators, of course. And and, and so that's sort of how how the company got got its start. It's a cool story. So I've heard you say uh, Taco is a small, quote unquote, small family owned business among some larger competition out there. But you will do everything within you and your power to see Taco succeed. So what are the leadership qualities or philosophies you've learned throughout your career that you still implement today? So you know, I call it a small company, as a, as you say, John, because. Uh, it, it, it is compared to, you know, uh, a lot of my competitors. And, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, small is relative in how, in, in how it's, and how you define it, I think, to some extent. Because if we want to talk about small in terms of, of size, okay. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a mega conglomerate. But, you know, I think we're very big in, in our presence, uh, in our reputation, uh, in our brand. And most importantly, I, I would challenge anybody in the world who's bigger in, in terms of our people. Growing well, and develop. Go ahead. I, I will stop you there. I mean, it, it, it is true for me. And I've been around a lot of different companies. 
that your accessibility and your employees' accessibility and the way they treat the clients and people in the, I'm, I'm in media and you've treated me like a friend. And I think that's kind of rare. I, I think that's pretty admirable to, to see in today's business uh, landscape. Well, you know, John, I, I think, I think it's important uh, uh, to understand clearly that uh, our success or failure is contingent upon our uh, ability to to be with people, and I do not by no means do I I, I mean uh, manipulate people. I mean to my our take of success and failure has 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 in such a large part been to the love of the people because mm-hmm. that comes through. People want to be a part of that, and mm-hmm. and and you know the other thing is, and I'll be very honest with you here. When I was younger and coming up through the business, I, I, I'd go to golf tournaments and whatever kinds of things. And, and I'd hear the people say, he doesn't got it. He, he ain't never going to make it, right? And why, why would they say that? I, I, I don't know. 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 But in the end of the day, um, I would hear over here those. And, and that's, that never bothered me. But, but you know, the, in the end of the day, it is those very same people who gave me the chance to succeed. So my feeling about people and, and my love of people is it's not so much about being pay, pay, payback. It's more about the fact that I appreciate what, the value of relationships and, and people. Boy, I look back at the, the people in this company. I say to them, you know, you gave me a chance. Mm-hmm. You people stood behind me. Now I've got a factory full of people who now are getting to the 65 year old age bracket to, to a large extent. And, you know, so we're seeing turnover, but John, I've got an average workforce out there of, I don't know, 30 years or something, you know, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. You know, that you've been through there. Yeah. But those people gave Johnny White a chance. They stood behind me. They were loyal to me and they, 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 they performed to, to help us all succeed. And that just proves to me the value of that. And the customers. Oh my God! I look back to the to the eighties and the nineties when uh, these some of these big customers, whether they were the boiler guys or the wholesalers in New England or wherever, and when my dad died, came to my support. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a real value to relationships. And this industry, by the way, is one of the few that still really operates on relationships. Well, let's uh, kind of turn a little bit to talk about the current leadership at Takeo. I know uh, Cheryl Merchant is now the CEO of Takeo, and uh, she's a real firecracker, and, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, she's uh, running the business in the right direction. Can you talk a little bit about her? Oh, yeah. So, so I've known Cheryl for going on close to 20 years. She ran a company here in Rhode Island uh, called Hope Global. You know, she, I, and Rhode Island, of course, as you guys know, it's a fairly small, we all know each other. You know, basically in the business community, certainly, and and we uh, we've developed very early on a, a very special friendship. We we became uh, aligned in, in terms of the way we were thinking, and and, and we just got along. So, you know, I always used to joke about you know you need to come come to take a well. In 2018, one day I sat down with her and I said, "Okay, it's t- it, it, joking aside, it's time I need you." So she came. Uh, her leadership style is 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 what we needed. It's a it's a shot in the arm. It's a shot of energy. It's like orange juice in the morning. And and she's built this team, which you know a lot of them have been here for for a long, you know fairly long, a good amount of time, but they're in a different structure now. And and I'm seeing a uh, I'm seeing a level of 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 sort of performance and interaction that truly I've never seen in the history of the company under my leadership, my dad's leadership or anybody else's leadership. That's impressive. Uh, she, she is utterly to me, utterly amazing. And you know, 
it's it's the first time that I can remember since Takeo was you know thirty million dollars or whatever mm-hmm. that I simply am enjoying watching it. I'm very deeply involved. I'm not going anywhere ever again. You know, I tried mm-hmm. that once and didn't work out too well. Uh, but 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 I'm not running the the, the operation of the company. It's it's uh, being run by Cheryl and her team, and I've never felt more comfortable than I do right now ab- about the uh, the future, the prospects of the future, the ownership, and that succession, or any other part of the operation of the company. She is simply to me magnificent. So uh, your two boys, John uh, John Junior and Ben, I've been fortunate enough to have met them multiple times, and I have complete admiration for them and their path. Can you talk about how you've seen them grow into the men that they are and the steps they have taken to instill confidence in you in the business? Yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting, John, because neither of them are business uh, major kind of things. Either Benny was a, a psychology major and John was an English major. Okay, here we go again. My dad was an English major. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they did the same thing I did, actually. they they I never invited them in here and they never asked. Somehow... Uh, they started here in high school working in the factory. They all both started in maintenance and uh, did both did their their whole tour of duty uh, just much as I did. And I never was close to them, you know, in terms in terms of their 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 involvement here. I I did the same thing my dad did, which is to be hands off, let them work for somebody else. I don't want to be the I don't want want to have that situation because it's it's not productive. I think it's better if they do it the way everybody else does. So they did that and came through. And I think, John, you know, I've thought a lot about this, trying to understand how they've ended up, because they are absolutely wonderful guys. Mm -hmm. Holy mackerel. I look at those two and I just think to myself, how much more blessed could I possibly be? You know, I mean, these are incredible. And everybody loves them. That's a a great thing. Everybody loves these two guys. You know, I, I, I really concluded sometime along the way that possibly, very possibly, uh, the driving force for them was growing up in a home and watching a father who loved the people as much as I did. That was something that they, they're very much people persons, if you, mm-hmm. you, as you know. And so I think there, there's some of that. And, and, and now they've developed their own careers. Okay. There was a lot, a lot of years where they, they bobbled along and did whatever they were doing, you know, which was great. They learned a tremendous amount. My gosh, they were taught by great people. And, but then they've ended up in, in, John is now running the OEM side of the business. Coincidentally, the, the, the thing I started in the eighties and then he's very good. The customers just uh, love this, this young man. It's, it's so, so wonderful mm-hmm. to watch. Benny is, Ben is running uh, the, the sort of business development side of the business. So he's really kind of the inside guy with working with Cheryl and her team. Mm-hmm. But to see them now to, uh, succeeding and, and being held accountable for results and what they do brings me huge confidence in, in the stability and the sustainability uh, awesome. to the succession of the company. Yeah, it is. So who's so the thank, better worker? Thank, 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 who's the yeah. better worker? I, I won't have you answer that. <laughs> me. No, I can answer that. It's me. They, 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 they both equal. They're aspiring to be like me. Well, that's pretty cool, man. Um, it so is. Takeo is you know celebrating 100 years, actually, this year in 2020. What does that number signify to you? I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. The, the remarkable thing about the 100 years is unlike – there's a lot of 100-year-old companies. Not a lot, but there are 100-year-old companies out there. Mm-hmm. There's very few that I think you'll find are in, still in the same family, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the remarkable part. I think mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, and the reason for that, I don't, I don't know. I can, I, I can tell you that my father took it over from my grandfather because he was here to earn enough money and the, as the advertising guy to make enough money to be able to marry my mother. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to stay. He didn't want to be here. He wanted to go be a teacher or a minister. You know, again, mm-hmm. here we go. But my grandfather dropped dead in the middle of the night in Washington, D.C., middle of World War II, trying to procure metal to the, a contract with the military to do something to save the business. Dropped dead in his hotel in the middle of the night. My father had to go reclaim the body and all that stuff. In the meantime, went into the Navy Department and got the contract for the, the uh, gun mount, as you know. But anyway, the, the, the point is that uh, uh, th- that locked him into the business. So he, he was here not because he wanted to be at first, but because then he developed a love for the business. I came in because I just loved the business. And the boys did the same thing. And so there's not been any motivation based on money or entitlement or it's all been based on a genuine love of, of being here. So I think that's that's a unique thing about Takeo too. Now to see it being managed for really the first time by somebody outside of the of the White family, that's that's an interesting thing uh, to contemplate too, because uh, you know because it's never happened. And so and, and but it's been, but it, right now it's being done very successfully. We touched on this earlier, uh, but one thing I, I think is so cool about you is that you you know your accessibility and you're accessible to people. I often hear you say and frequently hear you say that everyone has a story to tell, and we should always take time out of our busy lives to listen to each other and talk to each other and just listen to stories that people have. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah, I sure can, because it's one of the principles by which I live my life. You, you know, uh, it occurred to me at some point that, hey, I thank you for asking this question because it's so, so vitally important to me. You know, I, I just have come to believe that the, the greatest blessing or, or certainly one of the greatest blessings we've been given in this life is the chance to share time. You know, to share time with whoever. It can be the wait staff in a restaurant. It can be a homeless person. It can be our family. It can be anybody, our peers. But the chance to share time provides us to listen. What I have come to learn and believe is that everybody, and to witness, is that, is that everybody has a story. And you know, to sit and be quiet mm-hmm. and listen provides us a chance to learn like we never will have in any other uh, arena. I think of one guy I know so well. He's a homeless guy. He lives on 55th Street in New York. Whenever I'm there, I, I spend some time with him because he's been there for years. I've known him for probably 17 or 18 years. His history and story is so fascinating. I mean, you you know, it, it, you can't even imagine. But And everybody's like that. Everybody wants you to get on, you know, into their space a little bit. But that only comes from being quiet and listening. And, and you know, in the end of the day, John and Tim, I think this. I think everybody has a story. It's great to listen to them. And 99.999% of the time, those stories are a whole lot more interesting than mine. And so I just love to listen to them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I I also think that, um, you know, with today's, you know, hustle and bustle and technology to actually just sit and kind of slow down and, like you said, listen to a story and understand someone or their point of view is just, that's it, pretty remarkable. You know, it's it, this COVID thing has provided, it's taken away the opportunity to say, I got to go. Or, yeah. 
You know, I yeah. can't be there. Yeah, I'm sorry, but, you know, we're stuck here together, whoever. You know, let's do something with the time. Johnny, I'm, I've heard the story. Can you talk a little bit about what your father did after your grandfather passed away when he went into the to get the naval contract? Can you tell, tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, so as best I can tell you, you know, um, so, you know, at that time, at that particular time in history, you know, with the war, with the war acts and everything else, you really couldn't procure metal, as I understand it, uh, for anything other than uh, something related to the war effort. So, of course, everything we make is, is out of steel or copper or something. So my grandfather went to Washington to, to try to find a uh, contract. And uh, my father went down there and he somehow ended up at the Navy Department and he walked out with cash in hand. And, and a con- Now, this is very interesting, actually, because one of the things that my, my grandfather had done when he put this thing, Taco, together was he hired a guy here in Providence. It's why Taco's in Providence. My family is not from Rhode Island. Uh, they actually at the time lived in New York City. Uh, but, but my father, when he put the thing together, he hired a guy here in Providence that he knew who was a brilliant manufacturing and engineering guy named Bob Landing. He, he could make anything. So anyway, my father at the Navy Department found a contract uh, hanging out there that was available to make this thing, which was so darn complicated that nobody would take it. And he got it to Bob Landing. Bob Landing said, I can make this thing. And so it was what was called a gun mount. And it was it was a, a, a device to mount machine guns into airplanes for the Navy. And it was very complicated to machine and make. But, uh, but Bob Landing did that. And, uh, and that's what saved Taco. And, uh, do you know, uh, as a result of that, by the way, Taco went on to win the uh, Army-Navy uh, E Award, which is the highest uh, uh, highest award you can win in, in in those days for for producing uh, products quality and, and service and everything else for the for the war effort. So that was quite an honor. But that's how uh, that that's how that thing sort of unfolded, and, and that's how Taco ended up in Providence with Bob Landing. He didn't uh, he refused to move anywhere else. So that's a very fascinating story. Speaking of talking about uh, love of country and. Americanism and Navy and we follow you on social media. We see some of the stuff that you post and you are profoundly in love with this country. Speak a little bit about that. Well, I, I, um, I, I do love this country. I love it forever. And I watch that flag in my backyard and every night, every day, this is a wonderful country. It's been a wonderful country, and I somehow it shall stay so. But I think it's provided so much for so many in so many ways and in so many places. And one of the beautiful parts about this country is that it is its consistency. As you know, as I look around and uh, you know, I look at Taco as a microcosm of the country. Actually, you know, it's 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 a melting pot. You know, it's based on everything, every every kind of culture, and every kind of person, every kind of every kind of place. You know, and the opportunities that people have been able to enjoy because they've chosen to try. You know, this country has provided nothing more than the opportunity for those that wish to do. You, you, you know, I, so for that, Tim and John, uh, I, I think I was, I just raised, was raised in a way that uh, through, through time I have come to so, 
so love this country. Couldn't say it any better than that. Speaking of this country, you had an opportunity to do something earlier this year that is on my bucket list. Uh, you attended a State of the Union address. What was that like? Oh, that that is an experience that should never be missed if the opportunity arises and probably would be the only time I would, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a very difficult process, the whole thing. But I will tell you that to sit in that room, in the, the seat of the greatest country in the world, surrounded by the most powerful people in the world and those that are making this country what it is, is nothing short of breathtaking. Every, every senator or every, every one of those guys gets one guest, right? So there's nobody in the room that really knows each other. So you're surrounded by people that are all different uh, persuasions, different thoughts, different beliefs. And I was in the most plumb seat in the place. I can't even believe it. I was right in the <laughs> middle of the, I was, I was on the side directly across from Melania Trump. Okay. So on the side, right in the middle. So I could see the door and I could see the podium. And by the way, you're not very far. And when he walks in that room, I don't care who he or she is. That is a moment you'll never forget because that is the most powerful person in the world. And he leads the greatest country in the world. And I'm a citizen of that country. And to hear what he's got to say is one thing, but to see him say it's another. Yeah. Boy, there are, I, I bet there are a lot of stories in that in that room. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, probably, speak, a, probably a few behind that room. Too, yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking of politics, come on. Have you ever thought about going into politics? Of course I have. And I've been persuaded and tried to be persuaded <laughs> and, and been pushed and cajoled and and played around. And, and I've decided in my infinite wisdom that there's one thing I do really well, and that's own and run this little business. And I think I'll just stick to supporting my little group of people here that I love more than I love anybody else in the whole wide world. And I'll tell you another funny story about that really quickly. And, you know, if I'd gone into politics at an early age, who knows where I would have ended up because, mm -hmm. because, I, because I'd probably be pretty good at that. But, you know, I was, I was uh, having dinner with a friend of mine about 15 years ago, 10 years ago, and he had been the, the, the speaker of the house here. And we were sitting there and, and having, having dinner. And I said, you know, Johnny, I said, I think I'm, I'm seriously thinking of running for governor. And he said, don't do that. And I said, why? And he said, he put his fork down and looked across the table at me and he said, because here in Rhode Island, if you ran, you would win by a landslide. And that would be exciting for you <laughs> until the next morning when you woke up and said to yourself, now what do I do? <laughs> And I said, you know, I just think that's a pretty good answer. So I think I'm just going. To <laughs> so I, I just wanted to go back to kind of talking about philosophy. And if you could turn back the time and talk to your 18-year-old uh, self, what advice would you give yourself? And what philosophies have you learned throughout your career that you still implement today? Well, that's an interesting, uh, you know, that's a very interesting uh, sort of line of questioning. And it goes in a lot of directions. But I don't look back at my life in, in a way that I, that I often think, oh, gosh, because I love my life. And, I, and, and, and so I, I wouldn't trade anything that I've ever done. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, life is, a, life is a building block of experiences, and yeah, I understand completely what you're saying. Now, now I would, but I would say this, if I if I may, just add one thing to that. And ph- philosophically, heck, you know, philosophies are developed, John, much like wisdom. They're developed over time. I don't think probably that there's many 10-year-olds that have, you know, elaborate philosophies on how to live life. You know what I mean? Because they haven't gotten there yet. But I think 60-year-olds are entitled to to come (laughs) up with a few, right? But one of the things I would say is this, and and it's a very interesting question. And I kind of read these questions this morning and I was like, did these guys get these ideas because they must be reading my mind? If I could go back to eight, no, I'd go back to 15. Mm -hmm. maybe 10, and know what I know now, I would do three things differently. I would study harder because I don't think I was ever led to believe I was particularly smart, okay? And yet, as a result of that, I didn't work very hard. So I ended up doing pretty well Mm -hmm. without working particularly hard in in terms of school. I would take a different tact and and work really hard in school and do really well because I think that can always go, go, you can always learn more if you're working hard. Second thing is I would, I would have excelled at sports more because I really, I didn't play a lot of sports, but the ones I, 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 I had fun. I wasn't particularly worried about the competitive edge to it. And, and I, I, I was actually pretty good in some, in some regards. So I think I would have, I'd go back and do that. And the third thing I would do differently, and it's not differently, but the third thing I would do that I did not do is I would join the Marines. Wow. And, I would, and I would stand for this country in my own one little way in one little time. That is awesome. Uh, that is great. I don't know if you know, but Tim was, he's a veteran of eight years in the army. So thank you for that, Tim. Thank you. It, for that. it was my pleasure. Yeah. I mean, uh, a couple of those that you said, the two out of the three I can uh, relate to as I grew up as an 18 year old moving out of my parents' house and going to school with 30,000 18 year olds or well, 18 to 22 year olds. It was just party time, you know, for me. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I found a way to fuck it up. Can we say yeah. fuck Tim? Yeah, no, I think we can say that. Okay. Oh my so. gosh, you should have said that a half an hour. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I completely agree with what you're saying. Come on, John. You've got to you, JP. You've got to get to the core subject of this interview. Oh, the the hair. Oh, you got to. Uh, yeah, we, you know, everyone loves it. When did you actually start growing it out? I mean, was it, I, I've never seen you without long hair, so. Um, you know, I, I always had, you know, it's funny how you, you look back, you know, you look at pictures over the years of, of different, it doesn't have to be of yourself, but I mean, if you look back at the disco days and the whatever days, the hairstyles all changed over time. They, and then when I got into the business, uh, uh, life, I, I, uh, I kind of had it, uh, you know, fairly conservative and short, you know, that's mm-hmm. what we did back in the eighties. Right. And plus I was calling on a lot of older people that, uh, you know, I think wouldn't have appreciated some kind of a, yeah. You know, wild guy running in the door but but i here's what happened i i broke my neck back in uh i don't know in the nine 90s yeah i was in the 90s because my dad was still alive and uh and and uh i broke it very seriously and but but i ended up ended up very fortunate but i ended up with a foam collar for some period of time like three or four months 
And the last thing I really wanted to do was to go to the barber shop and, and have somebody, you know, working around my head and neck and stuff, you know, at that point. It's just I was very sensitive to that. So it grew a little bit long with this funny little collar on my neck. So I ended up having a little ponytail because it was, you know, blowing all over the place in the wind. Thus, my hair grew longer. Oh, my mother and father used to fight about this. My mother would say, Deary, you must get your hair cut. My father would say, oh, happy, leave him alone. You know, I mean, it was just such a, they were such great people. Uh, so I, that's when my hair began to grow, John. And uh, I was looking at a picture the other day uh, of, uh, actually it was Cheryl, of Cheryl Merchant and myself in, at, in Tucson at the uh, Hydraulic Institute meeting. And man, this hair was down to like, it was very long in the front. If you, you know, it's hanging down the middle of my chest and then we went into covid for three months mm -hmm. so go there in your head for a second this was down to my waist you know yeah i had a cut but i just decided at some point if that's a problem for somebody sorry i like it <laughs> so, we like it it's kind of your signature look. it's a so. signature look i appreciate that comment that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. and as much as i like the hair johnny i've always thought you were the dappest dresser well, thank you very much. That's another thing that's kind of gotten imploded with this COVID thing. You know, I don't have a chance to wear my pocket scarves. Yeah. Hey, hey, Johnny, what's one thing people may not know about you? Oh, man. One thing people may not know about me? Would it be a big surprise that I actually ride a motorcycle? Well, it might be to some. I mean, I, I knew not that. To us. We knew yeah. that. Yeah, you knew that. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, uh, you know what probably people would be surprised at? I'll tell you what people might be surprised at is I truly love alone time. I mm -hmm. truly don't like being in big crowds. I don't go to ball games. I don't go to, I don't like that very much. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable. I, and, and you know, it's so, so much like so many politicians, right? They, they're very awkward, but you wouldn't know that if you watch them in the, on the political campaign trail. You know, they have no personality when you meet them up close and personal, but I'm not, I don't have, I think I have a personality. I'm, I wouldn't say that about myself, but, yeah. but the, uh, but I know I, I, I really uh, prefer to, to be quiet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so know, that's not very exciting. That wasn't really the answer. No, that's cool. That's cool. I play the rock guitar or something new. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you had mentioned that, you know, you're still instrumental in decision-making in the company. What what's next for you, Johnny? I mean, are you ever going to slow down or ever kind of just take it easy? I mean, what's next? I I am slowing down at this point in my in my mind and, and, and from my perspective. As I said, the greatest team uh, this this team Cheryl's built between all of them they are uh, unbelievable, and uh, so it allows me peace of mind. Okay, so I don't go to bed at night worrying about you know the business uh, like I have sometimes in the past. I think that uh, that my intention would be to slow down, but but it's important for me to say this. I think for everybody that might listen to this podcast, okay, mm -hmm. it's important for me to say that I did walk away from the business sort of a little bit a while back, mm -hmm. and it didn't work out, uh, and I will never do that again. But when I hired Cheryl Merchant to come here, she only agreed to it on the condition that I didn't go away. Mm -hmm. And so when I say I'm active, she's a smart lady. 
Well, when, when I say I'm actively involved in the business, what that really means is she and I share everything and uh, her decisions, I'll go with them. Uh, but if I were to say to her, I wouldn't do that, she would take a second look and vice versa. My role here is one of supporting this group. But you know, I told her about a month ago, you know, I was, I didn't miss a meeting, I don't think, since March, right? Mm-hmm. And we were doing 7.30 in the morning till five at night. I mean, it's crazy, wow. right? On these Zoom things and everything. So I, I, I said to her the week, a week or so, a month ago or so, it dawned on me one day. I said, you know, Cheryl, I said, here's the deal. If, if I'm on a call, if I'm on your executive committee meeting, and then I'm in the room. Right. Essentially, I'm in a room if I'm on that call. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, people's approach to, to, to situations is going to be tempered by the fact that they know I'm listening. Right. And so I, I, I don't do that anymore. And, and so that's one thing that I have uh, relinquished is the daily sort of engagement, unless it's something I want to be involved in. And then everybody's perfectly happy with that. So I, I hope, hope as soon as the, um, you know, the, the, the skies open up again and, People can move around the world a little bit. I go back to some of the stuff I love, you know, skiing. That's something that I do love. I, one thing I do love to do is to ski. I absolutely love that. For sure. Let's hope that uh, things get back yeah. to some sense of normalcy uh, quicker than later. So Yeah, and see, you know, with AHR just around the corner in early 2021, hopefully everything goes smoothly with that, and we'll see. You and yeah. the Taco team at AHR in Chicago, um, which is right down the street from John and I. So we're, right. we're looking forward to that. Absolutely. Johnny, as you know, and you've shared with us over the course of the last you know 50 plus minutes, uh, you're a very passionate guy. You're passionate about the industry. You're passionate about the country. You're passionate about your family and friends. When was the last time you said, today is a great day? That's a great question, and I'm going to give you an answer on that. <laughs> I think I just told you that. When, when, when I talked to John about an hour before this thing, I said, when I printed out the questions that you guys are the parameters you guys uh, wanted to cover with, with me on this thing, I, Kenny Watson and I were looking at it, and we both laughed, and, and Kenny said, man, these guys get you. This stuff's all right in your freaking wheelhouse, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I was telling John, you know, that uh, um, without having seen that, that have a great day thing, I said, when I read these this, this thought process and what you guys were looking for from me here, I, I said, John, you know, you took the day and you, you made it, what was a day? You uh-huh. made it a great day. And it is That's awesome. Yeah. And this this hour or fifty minutes, and I'm sorry, I guess it's longer than normal. But you know how much this does for my soul to be able to share some of my own thoughts and feelings and uh, with people that, uh, that that may want to to, to share it with me because uh, so much of what I am is a result of what they've allowed me to be and and what you all have allowed me to be and. And to be able to do this is just, it's, it's what I love more than anything in the whole wide world. And, and I love this company and I just hope to, to keep perpetuating what we've done and, and with you all. And, and thank you. This is yeah, meant. Thank you. No, it, thank you. It's been it's a been, great uh, hour or so spending with you, John. Uh, we always enjoy your company. We look forward to seeing you at different events. Yeah. Um, thanks. And JP, I, I mean, I, we appreciate the work that we've done with Takeo. During the COVID, obviously, Taco's been a big support mechanism for us with our Taco After Dark series each week. And oh, that's uh, fun. the team of Dave and Rick and 
John have been instrumental in it's it's been great to work with them uh, for the last you know three four months. That's great. Well, they're 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 super guys, and what an opportunity that's been. And and uh, you know another thing about that is is is, is a refle- it's one more reflection of Taco. You know that that Taco after hours thing. Taco just loves to have fun. We love to have fun. You know, it's got to be, I'll tell you what, the day that you, you want to talk about sustainability and keeping the company in succession planning and all that stuff, if this company ever got boring and silly, I'd, I'd say, <laughs> see ya. Well, Taco Comfort Solutions, a 100-year-old, third-generation, family-owned global company based in Cranston, Rhode Island, engineers and manufacturers high-efficiency indoor heating, cooling, and plumbing comfort systems. Check them out at tacocomfort.com. Johnny White, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Oh my God, well, thank you. What a blessing. Thanks. Be sure to join us next week as the Not Dead Yet podcast gets sideways as we talk to Nick Nagley, co-owner of Whiskey Acres Distillery in DeKalb, Illinois. He discusses the decision to create hand sanitizer at the distillery during COVID and, well, whiskey. What else? See you next week. Not Dead Yet podcast is powered by Mechanical Up Media and produced by John Masonbrink and Tim Ward. It is edited by John Masonbrink. Music presented by Jason Drum and graphics furnished by Wayne Rowe. Thanks for listening and until next week. <laughs>